Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon or Girl Gone Canon presents Unleash the D, episode 7, the final episode of the premiere primer series about House of the Dragon coming to your screens very soon from HBO Max. Unlike other shows, I am one of your hosts, Chloe, actually the host, Chloe, but I'm here to welcome my guest host. I'm very excited. I want to introduce them a little bit because they are coming to us from a different time zone. They were so gracious to schedule this with me. Uh, you may know them as a moderator over at reddit.com slash r slash a-s-o-i-a-f. Or you might know them from some of their really brilliant work over at their blog, where they've published an essay called Daughter of Death about the Shakespearean tragedy of Daenerys Targaryen. Or you might know them as a co-host on a very prominent podcast called Maester Monthly, not to be confused with Maester Whateverly, which is maybe a Tana Ford and Dave production. Uh, Eliana, Eliana, a rhythmetric over at Twitter, has graced us as a very special guest, and I'm so excited to welcome her on for this final episode of Unleash the D. Thanks for joining us, Eliana. Thank you so much for having me today, Chloe. I'm really excited to be here. I'm like a big fan, a big fan of of uh, your work, and so I'm really honored to be here. Um, yeah, um, I think you pretty much covered everything about where people can find me. Uh, they can also find me. Um, I do have another podcast. It, it's called Girls Gone Canon. They can also find me. <laughs> but I'm just excited to be here to you know help you unleash unleash the D. Is it finally unleashed? I mean, I guess technically it's unleashed on August 21st. But August 21st, we will unleash the D together. All of us. All of us. Maybe some of us together more than others. But before we talk a little bit about that, Eliana, you've been absent. You've been traveling the world. I I have been lovingly referring to you as like the Carmen Sandiego of the podcast. The Ashard name of the podcast? I don't know. I don't know. You've been across the universe. You are, you know, I lovingly refer to Eastern time zone as Eliana time zone. Right? E.T. And I'd like you to phone the fuck home because you are not an E.T. E.T. is upside down, inside out, literally. Bouncing quite literally. See inside, inside out. out. Yeah, exactly. You get it? Oh my You've been far away. So if you hear birds in the background, that is the music of the dragons, right? Yeah, I guess they actually kind of are, especially now that we know that birds are just like little dinosaurs right they kind of are dragons yeah so it's your 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 grandfather keeps birds right yeah and they're so loud i'm sorry everyone um those are the birds those are the birds i'm at yeah my family home in uh the philippines and i've been here the past few months uh for you know family family reasons so but there's something kind of exciting about it in that as much as we love family, and we love being with them, and it's everything. Family. It's time for you to return, right, to your ancestral seat. But you're not returning to your ancestral seat first, right? Like, you are actually coming back to the opposite of the Philippines. To the Philippines. the opposite? I mean, maybe I it's the same. The I don't know. It's the United States Philippines. You're coming to the Philippines of the United States. In honor of Hot D starting, I was like, you know what would be fun? Chloe's not that far from me. What if I just, like, stayed in Philadelphia for a few weeks? And I just told I was like, what if I just stayed in Philadelphia for a few weeks for the first part of Hot D? Because um, apparently October is also, like, a wedding season, so that doesn't work. I've got a couple of weddings to attend in October. I guess you know this, Chloe. People hold weddings yes. in the fall, so yeah. Been there, held wedding. Yeah, it, it it goes deeper than that, right? Because back in a little year called twenty twenty two zero two zero, Eliana and I finished up recording some episodes on Dance of the Dragon, the Dance of 
The Dragons, and it was for patrons only in the $5 and above stranger tier and above tier. And (laughs) Eliana and I recorded some probably very spicy episodes. I don't know if those will ever surface. We'll see. Five Dance of the Dragon, three bonus episodes, actually, as of now. And Eliana said, Chloe, now that we've done all of this, what if we didn't do House of the Dragon? What if we let everyone else in the entire fandom, great podcasts, right? Like History of Westeros and Radio Westeros and Not a Cast and Learned Hands and if Davos Fingers ends up watching, I don't know if they are, but them too and so many other podcasts that we love. What if we just let them take the reins and we we hanged out with them, hopped on the saddle and flew around on dragons when we could, uh, Dire Wolf City, Dragon Wolf City maybe for this year. Uh, what if we hanged out with them? What if? That was 2020, a very different year. So then let's fast forward. It was a really different year. All, all these past few, every year since then has been very different. But now we're in 2022. And Eliana came to me and she's like, what if I just moved to your city for a month? And what if we did House of the Dragon? And what if you changed your work schedule so we could do so? Ladies, germs, gays, theys, all of you. I said yes. I said yes to the dress. I can't resist her. No man or woman can withstand Eliana. So we will. We will. Girls gone canon. Not just girls gone Not just girl gone canon, girls gone canon will be covering House of the Dragon as it airs on a HBO Max streaming service near you. Keep your ears, your eyes peeled. We'll be posting some updates about our schedule as we record and post for House of the Dragon. But yes, we will be covering House of the Dragon. It will be salacious, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, at first I was like, let's not do it. But then it looked like it was going to actually be good. And then I got, like, really hyped. And then I was like, I want to talk about House of the Dragon. So um, I think we are still going to do discussions, right, on our Discord about it. Uh, I think that'll be really fun. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I I just wanted to talk about House of the Dragon. I'm sorry. It it seemed fun. And I was like, I want to have, I want to do it too. And... We are still figuring out, we are still figuring out um, the logistics behind it, but if you would like to join the Discord, uh, you can on our Patreon in the Thunder tier and above. It's open to people in the $10 tier and above, but uh, when we talk about how our Dance of the Dragons uh, episodes may never surface, they are in fact surface. We, we just mean we might not publicly release them, but you can always still get them, again, on our Patreon for the Stranger tier and above, $5 and above. Um, they are still there. And those were actually, you know, made off of the information that we had in Fire and Blood. Yeah, you know, back in 2018. <laughs> we're going, we keep going back and back. Was it 20? Yeah, it was 2018. Yeah, it was 2018. Fire and Blood Jesus. Jesus. released to her. Oh my God. In Jersey City, George himself was there. It was, it was such a, the energy was good. Wasn't the energy so good? We had a bunch of friends surrounding us. We rented a little Airbnb out there and I mean, nothing was more fun. Okay. You all know I had like my goth days back in the day. We reference it often if you've been along for the ride with our Song of Ice and Fire POVs. But I was like, you know, back in the day, you'd wait in line for the club yeah. Right? Like, you're like, I gotta get into the goth club and in my little, like, skimpy outfit. And this time it was like, I gotta get in with my nerd friends to yeah. the George R.R. R. Martin club. It was so wild. It was so fun to wait in that fucking line and see so many other nerds ready to go get their signed Fire and Blood copy. We didn't get to up close meet him that night, but we, we, we watched from afar and it was inspiring i mean the man could weave a fucking story as we know as we're here today but in person right like unprompted he just weaves a beautiful story and if you haven't listened to game of owns with their episode with george r R. martin you have to because it's a very invigorating episode but he can weave such a great tale and listening to him talk i could do it all day and and that book 
really rocks. I remember all of us getting back to the Airbnb and like three of us got the book out. The rest of you ghouls were like, I'm going to drink booze. And we're like, we're going to drink booze and read Fire and Blood. No, that's I was like, I have the book open. Me and Jeff, uh, Brendan B. Fish, at the time we were just like, I just saw this. Can you believe Unwin Peak was charged with this and did this? It was kind of like surreal. And it's a mini version of what I expect T Wow to be, right? The Wins Winner to be. Yeah, I was uh I was pouring alcohol for everyone. I was like, You need a drink, you need a drink, and just being like, Oh, would you like another drink? And then also also as Chloe, uh I was inviting just random people over too. I this is <laughs> so one time someone sent me it one of those, you know, astrology memes, right? For my sign, Leo's it's Leo season, everyone. And uh, it said, Leo, most likely to accidentally invite the murderer to a party. (laughs) These were like Halloween or like horror movie themed ones. And I was like, oh my God, it's me. I would invite the murderer to the party. And so, yeah, it, it it was a really fun time. I was very hungover the next day, maybe because I kept pouring alcohol. I don't know. That was probably my fault, but... You were pouring the wasn't it the White Walker Jim Beam? Yeah. Or Johnny yeah, yeah. Walker. What was yeah. it? What yeah, was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It, it was the it was White Walker. Like John, Johnny whiskey. White Walker is what it was called. Johnny yes. White Walker. Johnny White Walker. Yes. I'll never forget that because I remember I'm very adventurous. I'll drink or eat whatever, right? Like I'll eat or drink whatever. But that was I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I hate this shit. That shit I was sucked. It it was it was fun to be themed but i was like i don't think this is like the scotch for me (laughs) but this is not but i was like i'm gonna just keep drinking it because we have it and it was fun it was fun we we had a theme even though i guess that's not on theme in that it was white walkers versus fire and blood i remember doing shots of that with joe magician me and joe magician did shots of it that you just kept bringing us and he and i were the only people looking at each other like are these bitches even here I remember I, we were live streaming. There was a live stream and it was chaos. I was afraid he wasn't going to come. So I like followed him around Jersey City. I was like, you're coming. You're coming back to the Airbnb. <laughs> Don Willie, you're hanging oh. out. Oh, God. You're like the ghost of Aswath past. Yeah. I was like, you gotta hang out. Um, we got this comment from our friend Thunderclap. And he said... This is something that I think you might have a good response for. He said, I know this is a fantasy series, but can you think you'd trust a flamethrower? No. Have you met me? Uh, Let alone a dragon. I was like, ooh, flamethrower. What an interesting idea. (laughs) I do not want you to have one. Interesting question. Really? I think it could be fun. Um... Uh, (laughs) So on one hand, I'm pretty sure that like I've seen someone describe dragons as giant fire-breathing cats before, and I am like a semi-cat owner now, not really, but semi in kind of a way. I bonded with a cat, I think, but now I don't know. I think she's annoyed at me because I keep picking her up, but I'm like, we just have to put you and protect you, Pika. Um, anyways, I will be very sad when we part. I told you to let her come to you. Well, she does sometimes. She sometimes sleeps in the my bed with me now. And would I trust this cat with my life? I don't know. Maybe if my goal was to end it. I don't think we're supposed to trust cats with our lives, uh, is my understanding. So that's how I feel on the one hand. On the other hand, it depends because I know that there have also been discussions about dragons having psychic bonds with their riders. And there seem to be a lot of interviews now where we've seen the cast of Hot D describing their characters' bonds with their dragons as being something really deep and special. So I think that, like, yeah, a single specific rider can trust their own personal dragon, right? To have their best interests at heart and to know things. But for everyone else, all bets are off. And also, like, once you die, it, it feels like that dragon has no memory of you, basically, in terms of, like, there is no loyalty when you look at what Vagar does and then, like, what Vermith Vermithrax or no Vermithor does. There's just no loyalty, only vibes, is my understanding of what happens once you die. I mean, like, 
I think that there's like maybe a little bit of memory as we saw when Drogon picks up Daenerys's body, but then like in terms of who the next rider is, they're like, what if I just went to your to the your family's enemies? Is what happens in the dance? And I was like, uh, okay. That's a really interesting perspective to think about for the dragons at all. Like, think about Vagar with Aemond, right? And something we're kind of we're kind of seeing so. Yeah, like, settle down, right? Which is kind of the meta of Damon and Rhaenyra. Anyway, but... <laughs> like, you're mad about it, but that Aemond is claiming the dragon, but maybe you should pause on the dickening. Um, there's something interesting, though, about, like, if they die, they move on, right? And, mm. you know, a Eliana, you won't get this reference, but there's something about that with, like, the Doctor from Doctor Who. A, a tangential okay. reference of just, like, you know, each Doctor has the power. This isn't a spoiler. The show's been out since 1963, so go fuck yourself. Uh, the Doctor can regenerate. It's literally only to you, Eliana. But the Doctor can regenerate. Like, he, if he dies, he has another light like he can go on to a new face which is really just an excuse for a new actor but he can regenerate his body face everything his personality can change he can still keep the same memories and it's the opposite of that it's like an internal regeneration right like they are bonding to a new human i mean you talk about uh your cat you know relationship now which is great i can't wait for you and alisan and jaharis to really get together when you're over you're really going to appreciate them more this time, I think. Because uh, Emmett tells me of this memory of you where you're on the floor and you're like, no, love me to them. And they just like walked away. And you're like, why won't they love me? Uh, so this is a big growth stage for you. But especially now that I have the Dracaris app, I'm seeing these dragons as dogs. You know, you got to take them out to walk them, eat some goat, eat some kid, whatever you got to do there. You know, they're, they're, they have that kind of memory span of like, all right, let's go outside. And then, all right, we're back indoors where life's suffering. Does their choosing mean something, right? Like, I don't, my God, Emmett would, again, Emmett would make fun of me for this. If you listen to Emmett's episode, poor Clinton's episode of <laughs> Unleashing the D. But am I accidentally becoming an Amon stan out of nowhere? But like, Amon maybe isn't awful. He's just like a shithead, you know, like he's a little shitty kid. Kids are shitty sometimes. Kills a lot and of people. I know that. I was a kid. Kids were shitty then. Yeah. And I was probably shitty too, honestly. And, and you don't have like a, a right from wrong morality compass going on naturally. It's just a thing yeah. that someday gets there. You got to get through experience. Aemond, uh, I don't know. He does have some boss moves, right? Like Alice Rivers. Good choice. Aemond? Good choice. She seems great, fun, witchy. I like witchy woman. I don't know. Uh, it's just weird that, you know, there is that bond. Think back to Twilight, right? Renesmee. You got that, like, bond with a, a, a dragon. Dragon riders have to have a very soul bond. Like, the dragon looks at you and they're like, yo, you're cool. Just like you've seen. Cats don't just look at you and say you're cool. You have to earn that. You have to very much earn that. I mean, what you're saying also makes sense, right? In terms of the the proving yourself and like sort of building that bond, which we see, we will see with Nettles and Cannibal, right? Like she goads them and that's kind of like the way, you know, or entices them with, with like all of the little sheeps. And she's like, here, I'm feeding you. And then, I mean, that's a lot of how domesticity happens. And especially with... I mean, both dogs and cats, right? You just keep feeding them and they're like, it's true. Yes, I do love you. <laughs> Thank you for feeding me. My uh, my cats literally know when we take oh, yeah. out the plates that you put treats, like they have a wet food they like. And we use that as a treat. Like it's a special thing. It's the carrot we dangle in front of them for good behavior. But they know, they hear the plate move on the other plate and they go... Oh my god, you're giving me the good shit. Like, no, they know. Yeah. Pika and knows. They're not stupid. I mean, they're very smart. They are. She knows, well, she, when she's hungry, she'll come in and she'll start meowing and letting everyone know, like, I'm hungry now. 
right? And then my great aunt is the one who likes to feed her. That's like her thing, right? Because she also really, she was there when Pico was a kitten and stuff like that. And um, when they took her in and I'm over there just like cheering her on, being like, scream, Pika, scream. Yes, let them know. (laughs) And I go, meow, meow. Also, along with her, just so everyone knows that Pika's hungry. You get it. You truly get it, you know? It's an exciting time. As a cat, you get it. I respect that. Sometimes I'm like, am I more cat than human? Me and my cats get down on the cuddles, you know? Like, sometimes I'm like, wow, we just want to lay like this. Today, I had a really good, like, had a really good five to seven minute to 30 minute to 47 minutes to maybe 98 minutes of laying in the bed, like, dissociating, right? And my cats were like, what if we laid around you? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like, they know. They feel emotions. They sense it. It, It's weird because, like, in some ways, dragons remind me of dogs with the constant need of, like, taking me out, feeding me animals or children. You know, like, keep me occupied. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm gonna eat everything. I'm gonna eat the couch. But... Also with the temperament of, like, cats. Like, cats really do understand you. They get it. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, you feel like fuck? Let me lay on you. Let me just yeah. get up there, bro. Dogs do that, I appreciate too. that. Yeah. Some do. Some don't. Some do. My dog did. Eliana, something happened while you've been gone. And, look, I'm not trying to say that, like, while you've been out, everything's stalled. Maybe for me. There's been a lot of discourse. And me and you like to talk about the discourse. So let me introduce you to the discourse that me and you haven't gotten to put our official statement about our feelings about the discourse out. But I do want to retract as I say this. So the title of this discourse is Dreams Didn't Make Us Kings, Dragons Did. This is a quote from Daemon Targaryen in the trailers for Hot... D. And why this is the title is because it turns out I've heard a little tiny, kind of production-y, leaky spoiler that we're going to get more dragon dreams. And you can kind of see it if you watch the trailer. Uh, We kind of speculated, poor Quentin and I speculated a little bit about this, that it looks like we're going to get more dragon dreams from more Targaryens. If you've read Night of the Seven Kingdoms, Duncan Egg Story, Drunken Egg Story, if you're Drunk Swaff original fans. Shout out Eliana, because you were there. You were there. If you are OG fans like that, you'll know that, like, Darren the Dreamer had dragon dreams. Dunk had dragon dreams. Egg, quite obviously, had dragon dreams. Daenerys has dragon dreams. All these people have dragon dreams, right? This is the thing. There's a lot of dragon dreams in this universe. And in 2018, George R. R. Martin said in an interview... Something that was very interesting about Aegon's dragon dreams. He said, In some sense, he saw what was coming 300 years later and wanted to unify the Seven Kingdoms to be better prepared for the threat he eventually saw coming from the north. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? That's a, that's a loaded statement to relate to now House of the Dragon with Ryan Condal show running the whole gig lots of people in the writer's room lots of people sidelining on production and development and directing um this is being brought up in regards to the first episode i'm hearing and damon's little line we've heard in the trailers about dreams making them not making them kings that dragons did this is interesting what is your take on this eliana what is what are you thinking about all this They've taken that line a little out of the context, right? They aren't talking about like dreams and ambition. They're talking about the dragon dreams. Um, And like, obviously both are very special aspects of the Targaryen house and family to have both dragons and prophetic abilities. So interesting. They uh, kind of, you know, swerved on us there a bit, but in a good way, like it's going to be even more exciting in context. I will say I haven't, looked at any of the leaks um whether they're from the official like the official like premiere of the first episode or some of the other stuff um nor have i listened i know that um house of the dragons official podcast put out a new episode uh, but it was while i was asleep today 
before we started recording. Um, and I've seen like some of the stuff right regarding prophecy. I know a little bit about Dragon Dreams, but I've been trying to not read too much stuff because that is how I like to enjoy media personally. But um, I obviously I know a little bit of like, you know, from discussions about people saying like, it sounds like they're they're bringing Dragon Dreams more to the forefront. I feel like we were maybe a little cheated in Game of Thrones on that, right? Oh, absolutely. This is kind of, we're being spoiled. This is as two people have recently gone through Samuel Tarly's chapters in A Song of Ice and Fire, for example, where we got Aemon's Dragon Dreams, right? Deliberately spoken about. And we get some of that lore brought to the forefront again, right? King's blood to, to wake a dragon. That is... That is very interesting to bring to the forefront. I haven't read more than, uh, you know, we get Viserys talking through the fire in the trailer, and you can kind of see the sparks in the air and that that bokeh quality to it all. And you can see there's obviously something afoot, not war, as Laner later says, but there's obviously something afoot going on there. And I'm interested to see the capacity of these dragon dreams. I think... Personally, it's kind of funny because everybody's up in arms about it. Like, okay, you and I can both understand and agree that when there's something that feels like new information from George or something that is new information from George, it is exciting. You get a little, your blood pulses, right? Like you get a little, oh, oh, dopamine, serotonin, Miss Sarah, where are you? Like you get a little excitement about it. Sarah Targaryen. Um, yes. Sarah Targaryen? Is it you? Yeah. You get you get some excitement. It, it feels good. So the fact that he's been so active through all of this feels good. It all feels good on that. And the idea that they are actually evolving dragon dreams into their show. A, like you said, it, it's what we're kind of missing. I mean, dreams in general. Uh, every Targaryen we meet in the story kind of has them question mark we've seen this right we've, we've seen it and now we're seeing the effects it has and it kind of makes sense to say Aegon would have seen the same story because do we not have a dream from Danny? that night she dreamt she was Rhaegar riding to the trident but she was mounted on a dragon not a horse when she saw the usurper's rebel host across the river they were armored all in ice but she bathed them in dragon fire and they melted away like dew and turned the trident into a torrent. Some small part of her knew she was dreaming. Another part exulted. This is how it was meant to be. The other was a nightmare and I have only now awakened. In a way, doesn't it make sense that they've all had the same dream? She thinks she's Rhaegar on a dragon. Rhaegar was never on a dragon. But that's, she doesn't really know what Rhaegar looks like, right? Like, she has an idea from when she was small, but she doesn't know what he would have looked like at the time on the trident. Is she not just seeing a faceless Targaryen on a dragon melting the others? Is that not the same dream passed down from generation to generation of Targaryen? Yeah, I mean, it, and it sounds like it's obviously, it, it's her, right? She's dreaming of herself, and... It was so hard. I mean, we see that with Eamon, right? He's like, oh, we never considered that it might be a girl, a princess, right? Because of the, uh, you know, genderless nature of the noun that's used, right? I think it's Darilaros is what uh, David Peterson has given to the word for an heir, right? Like, it just means heir in... in yeah, and it's kind of funny if like every I don't think I don't know that from my understanding every like recurring generation has the same dream or like one of like I maybe Aegon or Daenerys right had this dream uh, way way back then. But if it does like recur, it kind of reminds me. And this is spoilers for the movie. Your name, please fast forward about a few I don't know seconds if you would like not like to hear this, but. There, I mean, it, it's a supernatural movie in which there's like fun, fun stuff. I'm not going to give away all the twists, but like 
prophecy is in it. Like, there's people who constantly have the same, like, dream of the same, like, person uh, in each generation of this family in your name. The wonderful anime movie, which is, it's, it's incredibly beautiful. Everyone should watch it. Anyways. It's on the list. It is now on the list. We can watch it together. Uh, oh my god, you're right. We have so much time to be together next month. Poor Owen. Poor Quentin. Uh, please also remove Owen's name. <laughs> I will remove that. <laughs> okay, I have something that's kind of trolly. Maybe it's not trolly. If the dragon... This is all hypothetical. Hypothetically, if dragon dream others... Like, if this is an actual thing, right, which George did semi-confirm it in 2018, that he kind of saw that, like, the Targaryens have visions where they see heroes for this great thing facing them. If that's real, it's kind of interesting that there's that theory, right, like the every brand theory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brandon the Builder, Brandon the Breaker, the Night King. Just kidding. That's a show theory. And, (laughs) uh... If Bran is every Brandon everywhere, isn't this vision and that vision, aren't those kind of acquainted in some ways? Like, isn't that kind of an Mm. interesting perspective to have those parallel that every Targaryen has this vision and every Brandon Stark has this vision of rebuilding Westeros or destroying Westeros or whatever they're seeing? Or just being able to see things in general, right? Like, uh, every Brandon... It's yeah. all I can see. Mystical as shit. Dun, Mystical dun, as shit. Yeah. Yes. Prophecy between these several magical, mystical families, that Blackwood blood, that Valyrian blood, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with every Brandon theory, but that is interesting. I wonder if they'll see, like, you know, they'll talk with the Starks and be like, Oh, wow. You had this vision, too? And, like, that could be fun. That could be cute. Wait, um, do you think they're going to be able, in time, to figure it out and go, Wow, we've both had this vision. What if... This is crazy. What if we stubbed the others together and it didn't matter as we realize about, you know, the entire Westerosi people? You know, what if we just, like, then gave them a better future nothing bad happened half the population wasn't decimated because of war and famine and the others this sounds really good to me what about prophecy in this story it, i'm looking forward to it in that game of thrones was so thin on like any of the magical elements right other than like using them for the oh look twists fun like flashbang right they weren't using them in i think a really smart way narratively and dramatically in the way that it to its fullest extent that it could have been and like i think that prophecy can be really good for house of the dragon if you know they're doing what i have read the interviews right like and and that's different like and i've been devouring those like as they come out but they're trying to really make these character-driven stories right and really really dig into like the psyche of people and like why do people do what they do right and i think that's something that is clearly what george is interested in it's part of the strength of the whole pov structure uh and obviously fire and blood is more of like the history book element and we heard him talk with game of owns about like oh we were thinking of like what if we did it like this way you know and, and the different elements but they've chosen to go in a way that is more similar to what we're familiar with if how A Song of Ice and Fire at slash Game of Thrones was done. And again, grounding it in a more objective reality, like as in like not doing a Rashomon kind of thing. <laughs> and and so I think that prophecy can be really, can be a strength if they if they do it well and they do it right. Because Game of Thrones kind of did it as kind of like a easter egg thing of like oh hey it's a thing right but they didn't really do much of anything with it other than like uh magic yeah and there are definitely some very subtle prophecies in fire and blood and 
I don't know. There's something interesting about the fact that Game of Thrones took that very realistic, more gritty Christopher Nolan style, like, take, right? Like, they were like, love, what can we do to make this more realistic and sit better with the home viewer, yada, yada, yada. And I think House of the Dragon seems to be embracing some of that weird, embracing some of the prophecies, like some of the prophecies we may have seen in Fire and Blood. Yeah, I don't know. It could it could go badly. It could go well. I'm holding out hope right now because George seems really optimistic and seems to like it. And also he has played a strong hand in the development of the show and some of the prophecies that are in there likely come directly from him. You know, one of the... I'm not sure if I'm understanding this correctly from what I've seen in the discourse or not of like, maybe one of the prophecies is about the downfall of House Targaryen. I'm not sure. And if it is... If I'm not mistaken, I think that this is actually the one that we do get in Fire and Blood, and it's not about Daenerys Targaryen, right? It's about the hammer that falls upon the dragon, and it was mistaken during the dance. The passage is, And talk was heard in camp of a prophecy of ancient days that said, When the hammer shall fall upon the dragon, a new king shall arise, and none shall stand before him. People in Tumbleton during the Dance of the Dragons thought it applied to the dragon seed Hugh Hammer, but it seems to apply to Robert Baratheon, right, who ended up defeating Rhaegar, thereafter became king with the fall of the Targaryens from power. Yeah, that seems pretty pretty uh, straightforward and, like, gives a sense of what's called dramatic irony to that prophecy, right? Everyone at the time is very sure of Hugh the Hammer being about you know, perhaps signaling the end of the Targaryen dynasty. And dramatic irony is when the audience is more aware of something than the characters and know that the characters are misinterpreting this information. It's a lot like a a very famous example of that is the audience knowing of the prophecy in Oedipus Rex and then Oedipus unknowingly doing actions to avoid the prophecy that end up actually fulfilling it. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Oedipus and tragedies in a bit, but I think it could make sense to like have that brought up in the first season rather than have it introduced later on so that it doesn't feel like an ad hoc, like, oh, sprinkle in there, but kind of playing in again, like playing out this idea of prophecy and magic being much much more present during this time period, especially because they have the dragons. That is an element of magic, right? Magic is just more powerful at this time and a song of ice and fire is about a time when it is a reawakening so that we end up being on the lookout for it and then we'll see how people being on the lookout for this prophecy might affect their characters will it affect the way that they treat hugh hammer just upon meeting him because they know of this prophecy right um it could be really interesting uh with the whole dragon seeds arc that's such a great point. And something about the language there, right? I have to bring this up. It reminds me of the Hammer of the Waters. Oh, yeah. Right? The Westerosi legend of the children of the forest that they used dark magic to stop the migration of the first men to Westeros, and that hundreds of greenseers gathered at Moat Kalen, and that they sacrificed maybe a thousand captive humans to the greenseers so they could use the blood and like claim it and use the power so basically they attempted to use the hammer of the waters and they wanted to break the land of westeros in two now our friend manuclear bomb manu the co-host over at not a cast aside poor quinton uh, he has a theory that the Hammer of the Waters could strike again at the neck and cause a very literal divide in Westeros, right, in the future, in the Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring. And there's almost even something of that quality to that prophecy of the hammer shall fall upon the dragon, a new king shall arise, and none shall stand before him. Robert Baratheon was the first theorized person of this theory, but is Bran Stark the second. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought of the hammer falling upon the dragon. It is interesting. Or could it be do the children of the forest side with the with the uh, I mean they didn't historically, but could it like all the king doesn't have to come from that side, right? Like this could be it just says a new king shall arise. Would it be about 
I don't think the, the Night King plays out exactly the same in the books, but if there is like a Night Brand King Star? or Night King. I'm just thinking like it could be about the others, right? Like and yeah. how people struggle to stand before the others, right? As Wester all of Westeros falls. Um yeah, and the the children of the forest inadvertently also taking out a dragon, or do they mean to? That's interesting. I yeah, I Making mean George likes three 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 what is it, threefold reveals, so mm-hmm. I could see several breaks in Westeros, right? In the future coming that break, you know, below the neck, you have a break and then you have another break, maybe southern of that. Um, that's that's an interesting thing to wonder if that also foreshadows that. Yeah. Either way, like we know from the audience that this generation of the Targaryens during the dance do not have the prophecy fulfilling at that time. Like they got that one wrong. And that's that's the nature of prophecy, right? Like, you keep looking for it. You keep looking for it, and then it, it, it subsumes your outlook because you're thinking about it and twisting your interpretation of all these events to fit that. I think that we see that a lot with, um, well, Rhaenyra, right? Uh, there's a chance that she might think prophecies are about herself in this story. And talking about kind of the main of Song of Ice and Fire story so much, you wrote this amazing, and I'm not saying this because I love you. Like, if I didn't like you, I'd even have to really be forced to be like, yeah, I respect that bitch. Because you wrote this essay called Daughter of Death, and it's about the Shakespearean tragedy that is Daenerys Targaryen. And I went on a podcast a little while ago, our friends over at Ranking Thrones, and look, I really loved Rhaenyra. I was like, that's my girl boss, and I love her. I respect her, whatever she does. But I want you to know that they talked me down. They were like, Chloe, are you sure? And they got me through it, and by the end, I was like, yeah, she's a four. I get it. She's a four out of ten. I get it. She's a bad ruler. Leave me alone with her two out of five. Okay? Leave me be. Uh, They rationalized my ass. So... That said, I know there are a lot of differences between her and Daenerys' story, but there are also a lot of similarities, right? Whether being the Chosen One, whether being the heir, the heir to the Iron Throne. And I want to hear a little bit about some of that Shakespearean tragedy from you. And you quoted something great from A.C. Bradley in their piece, Shakespearean Tragedy, that said, Tragedy with Shakespeare is concerned always with the persons of high degree, often with kings or princes, if not with leaders in the state like Coriolanus, Brutus, Antony, or, at the least, as in Romeo and Juliet, with members of great houses whose quarrels are of public moment. And one positive thing about this show is Ryan Condal and other runners of this show have said, there's a Shakespearean element going on, and they're building on that. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we've heard it, I think when I first heard it, it was from George, right? That was the impression that he got watching the first season, and he described it as feeling like a Shakespearean tragedy. And I wonder if he means that for just the first season or the way that it's being set up. It could be both, and we'll talk about that. But I think long story short, when we talk about Shakespearean tragedy, right, as you've called out in this quote, it it usually ends in death for the main heroes, usually the titular character heroes. Uh, for example, Othello, things go badly for Othello. Hamlet, things go badly for Hamlet. Or as, as you've called out in this quote, Romeo and Juliet, Antony and Cleopatra are among those as well. Though I guess this one only calls it, well, Antony is in, features in a couple of plays, so that might be why. And those are driven by a tragic flaw, especially within this person who's of high degree, who's very great, right? They're a larger than life per- person, right? Um, they're capable of large, great things. But sometimes those, those take them down a dark path, like for example, Macbeth. Uh, there's also arguments of is Hamlet a revenge play, as long as well as being a tragedy. And I'm like wondering, as we watch Hot D, could it be perceived as a revenge play? Uh, we'll we'll have to talk about that. There's a lot of things to be revenged that happen <laughs> during the dance. And I do also want to talk about you know when we're talking about tragedy, we're talking very specific definitions and genres here, not the general meaning of what we mean by tragedy, right? Like oh, that's like a sad thing that happened. We're talking about again. 
uh, a specific genre of play in which the titular characters usually, um, many of them, die as opposed to, you know, Shakespearean comedies, which tend to end in marriage. That is like a focus, uh, a, a defining feature of Shakespearean comedies. They end in marriage. Uh, and again, uh, an example, when we talk about the specific definition, we are also going to talk a little bit about Greek tragedy, which is different, though inspires Shakespearean tragedy, though the two do differ in some of the elements that they contain. Yeah, there's something interesting, right? Like the the modernism that's brought to it, the early 20th century, right? And dragons as nukes, right? Like dragons as nukes is the big, everyone's like, what if you had, as our friend Thunderclap said, what if you had a flamethrower or what if you had a dragon? Like what what happens then? And what happens when tensions and emotions are high? What happens when you feel like you're being very quietly usurped? right by your new stepmom's children and you're like interesting that you know i know you have to fuck dad but my god i'm the heir you said so so am i the heir still no yes and then also what happens on top of that when you have dragons right like it's one layer to suddenly feel this betrayal that we see in shakespeare or in greek tragedy it's one layer of betrayal but then also that you can do something about it yeah. That's a whole nother layer. That's like a very scary layer. I I'm I'm not always impulsive as an Aries, first of all, but as an as a fire sign, as you know, um, you know, sometimes you have an impulse and sometimes you do follow that, and sometimes you're like, oh shit, I shouldn't have followed that. And sometimes if you're an Aries and you have a dragon, that sounds bad. It sounds scary. Yeah, I think I, I'm excited for them to explore all of this with the dragons because, again, that's something that I don't know. <sighs> that the way magic was used in the in Game of Thrones really matches, to an extent, how it's used in A Song of Ice and Fire and Fire and Blood, which is they use magic as a way to sort of give characters the ability to move the story forward. It's a it's it's a vehicle by which the characters can manifest their desires is how magic often operates. For example, the shadow baby, right? Uh, gives Stannis his wish, but then he's like, is that actually turns out what I wanted? I don't know. <laughs> and they're manifestations of characters' wills, and and that's very much what the dragons are in, in several ways, like when it comes to that psychic bond, but also, as you said, you want something done? You can do it. Dragons. Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. He has a point for once, Damon Targaryen. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's true. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how how um, he's portrayed, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I mean, coming back to prophecy, right? Like, I think prophecy is like a big part of tragedies, Shakespearean tragedies. Like, I think Macbeth is like the best example of that. Like, of how. It motivates Macbeth to do certain actions. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's me," and no one, no one can fell me until the forest moves. And he's like, "Is that the forest moving?" Um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, <laughs> Greek tragedy, right? Again, Oedipus and the irony of him hearing the prophecy and then playing it out. Uh, Greek tragedy, though, has more of these other elements of peripetia and hamartia, which are things of like reveals and and reversals of fortune um, and. I think I'm mis, mis uh, defining Hamarsha here, but um, but there's also like these other things that you're supposed to feel an emotional sort of like release at the end. And I don't think, from my understanding of Fire and Blood, we don't have those same kinds of reveals that you would see characterized in Greek tragedy. We do have reversals of fortune, but it's not due to any reveals. Is my under from the way that I read it but i i could be misinterpreting it and hot d might go a different direction i think that's an important distinction right of the of the greek tragedy versus the shakespearean tragedy in this i never really thought of it that way and i mean realistically i think you were right about hamarsha like it, it's a fatal flaw right and right. there is definitely a fatal flaw. Uh, the, 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 there is definitely a fatal flaw for a lot of the characters. I think that's actually one of the most defining things for George yeah. in Fire and Blood. But because it's so, because it's so distant, right? Because yeah. we're not getting POVs of each character. It's very different. Were this Game of Thrones, you would see a lot more of that Greek tragedy because you get that POV. Daenerys's chapters 
uh, her hearing prophecy that's maybe about her or mostly about her, but her hearing those things and going, wow, is this me? Am I supposed to, I'm it, so I'm supposed to take Drogon and I'm supposed to, right? Like, this is it. Um, It's a lot different. It's a lot different than before. And I think, obviously, the gaudy nature of what we're about to see of Targaryen power in King's Landing will help us with that. It will help us move along with that thought of very different times with very different resources available. Yeah. And again, like that's that's important, right? Like for prophecy, the way it plays out in Daenerys' story, I think most of all it further isolates her from people, right? Uh the prophecy that she thinks of most is the the treasons and she's already a very lonely person and unfortunately it's really sad and i think that loneliness as we've discussed before is going to be like a big part of part of her story and is ultimately kind of what i think will drive some of her actions in terms of desperation because what i mean the things that we would as jamie lannister says the things we do for love the things we do in pursuit of love as well is what a lot of the story is about I think prophecy has the potential to heighten the tragedy and story um, and that's part of maybe why they've included it in the series especially when it comes to like that sense of irony again I haven't watched any of these episodes yet um, <laughs> another prophecy that we've heard and we've kind of talked about is like Aegon maybe having seen the long night this has hint- been hinted at before by George and I don't know. I'd like to see how it plays out for these characters. They're real people with real... They're not real people. They are written to represent, be like real people, right? With these very realistic flaws. And I stress that because, I mean, they're characters. Like, people can feel however they want about them. And I've seen questions of, like, people not understanding, like, why then didn't all the Targaryens do something? Knowing that, like, this danger... Uh, was there in terms of realism I want to I mean look at our current world with the all of these crises like the pandemic or I think climate change might be more one-to-one comparison in terms of longevity I don't know that that's what George is pulling inspiration from but I'm just saying like look at the way that our world and our leaders have handled this they have not they have handled it poorly and it would make sense why would we hold uh, characters who are meant to reflect our own flaws? to that higher standard leaders alone i mean we see them get sidetracked right we, we see them passionately care we see yeah. them from the very start passionately care about something and we see that sidetracking happen and we watch them very slowly zigzag away from the main plot and we do that with daenerys for example and we'll talk about rhaenyra here we do that with rhaenyra too that you know both characters have a vision and from you know, exploitation and loneliness, slowly but surely, those leaders get dragged away from the main goal. And we watch that in our real world, too, right? Like, you have that cute little girl gang in the United States that they're so progressive, our progressive besties. They're unfortunately the best we have, right? (laughs) Like, I I like them a lot, but they are our hired officials. That's the best we have for hired officials. I, I respect them for that. But everyone else really sucks because they've all been pulled in from the further exploits and trades and deals and the money that they can make and the, you know, shoveling people beneath them. It doesn't matter to them. And it's that very, as as I will say, I believe Ryan Condal said recently, there's a thin line, right, between what you're going to use your power for. There's definitely a thin line of, of how you use it. And... There's definitely that similarity in Daenerys and Rhaenyra of the loneliness, right? It's lonely up upon that very, very high throne and being exploited by others for their power, right? Many others are exploiting them for their power. And also that three betrayals that you'll know, three treasons that you'll know. Rhaenyra, as we watch her through fire and blood, and we get less and less and less of her point of view, right? We don't have point of view at the beginning, but even as we go, it diminishes. It, it disappears. Betrayals, you shall know. Rhaenyra knows betrayals, and each one seems to hollow her out. It really feels like there's a lot of similarities that we can follow in this show, and it's funny because it's like the prototype. Like, we actually get to see, well, now you see 
why Rhaenyra did this, and now season eight could almost make sense, maybe. <laughs> almost. Maybe yeah, eight I'm... years from now. <laughs> oh my god. Ask me again in ten years. Ask um... me again in ten years! Uh. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Unleash oh it, Unleash it. Oh my gosh. But like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, and that makes sense because it's it's the people who are closest to her, right? This is a time when there is an abundance of Targaryens. They are described as being at the height of their power. And we have them coming off the heels of, you know, a family that they've seen that mostly backed each other up, right? Like, Jaehaerys' family was very tight-knit, and they're coming off of that legacy. Viserys likely remembers that, and that's what he wants for his family. And Rhaenyra experienced love. It, it's really sad what happens to her and she pushes away like all of these people because and it makes sense right when you're hurt over and over again you want to avoid that hurt and that pain and especially as you lose people right like I mean she starts out the story with so many trusted confidants and the whole thing kind of shatters we'll probably see that you know with, with Corlys right and, and the breaking after Rainey's passes and I mean he's also someone who loses his whole family too right he loses his son and his daughter and then his wife he has his two other sons and one of them will like I mean he goes to his death allegedly uh, not his son but he goes to his death you know Adam of Hull yes loyal that is your that's gonna be I can't wait to hear your thoughts when that does happen in what season two, three? I'm, I don't know. It's three, right? Well, that would happen in three, but I'm sure we'd be introduced to them in two, probably. Yeah, start of two. They'd be the Stannis Melisandre Davos. You'd of probably the get season, Dragon right? Season two. Well, yeah. and I'm not I'm not actually kidding because Alan, for example, Alan is yeah. the Davos as you when I have discussed previously so. oh yeah go home go home alan what are you doing <laughs> go home to your wife alan valerian actually literally though what are first of all i'm just so thrilled i'm just thrilled that you're here today with us at girl gone canon and i want to know what are you looking forward to the most like what is like the one thing you want to see on a screen from this fucking book oh i don't know what do i want to see the most nettles or i mean i know you like her what else do you like you like dragons doggos i don't know i think like the whole thing like i'm just excited this is the one this is the one that i wanted adapted as i've told people you can go listen to that maester monthly episode right uh this is the one that i wanted adapted and i'm you know i'll i've said it in private i'll say it on the record now i've had ideas of like what i think the show should do and like I've been really impressed with the ones that, like, uh, I've been hearing of the direction that they're taking it. It sounds like they're really deepening it in in ways that are novel, that that make sense to, like, this is something that the history books wouldn't show you, especially biased historians, like how Gildane is portrayed to be, right? Uh, uh, misogynist historians is, like, the way that Gildane is meant to be portrayed, and... I'm excited with the way that they're taking it, and I'm like, that's that is a better idea than the the ones that I had. So for a lot of them, so um, there's that. I think I'm interested in seeing how they do Viserys in the first season. I wonder if he's the one that they're talking about also as a Shakespearean tragedy, especially with the way that the first season's arc will play out. Like it sounds like my my assumption is that they're going to make him the central character to make his loss at the end. Really pointed. I'm sorry. There are children screaming everywhere. Um, I'm with my family. They are hopefully not betraying me at any point in time. <laughs> As you were. But you know, like the series, it could be interesting for them to make him the focus as this tragic character. And his flaw is he wants. He's this loving man. Like he cares deeply about his family. And I think it could be interesting going off of that of how they deepen Damon's character and make it a real hurt when he's no longer the heir. Make it something very deeply felt because they have a close, close bond. Um, and then also, how does he balance those interests between what's right for his brother and what's right by his daughter? And then also, finally, what's right by the realm? And I think 
and then the what's right by the realm we see um you know allison telling him you you have to remarry that's your duty as a king and then that ends up being the downfall of the rest of his family i'm gonna blow your mind that was rhaenyra that said it not Alice. Oh, was it? Oh, sorry. My bad. It was. No, it's okay. Oh. I, I just want to tell you you're a fake fan. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I just want to tell you that it, I didn't know either. I thought it was Allison, but it's actually Rhaenyra that says, I get it. You got to remarry, Dad. Whatever. Yeah. That makes it. That's a little deeper, too. I guess. Now that, we say that, 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 that adds but... to the irony. That adds to the irony of how it all yeah. plays out. To the Shakespearean tragedy? You could say well, because I'm sure she was like, all? you got to remarry dad, but I didn't think you were going to do it to my best friend. <laughs> it's probably I how it's going to go. I actually really love that. Like, I do love, I love the flatlining of ages in this circumstance. They did it to our Starks. They did it to Danny. They did it to all these characters that we knew it was going to happen to in the main show, right? That they were going to age them up a little, HBO it. Uh, but here, I think it actually works to bring them to the same age and put them on that same playing field of, uh, and it's something maybe I didn't necessarily think about before, but I, I know they've said, you know, uh, you have that Arya Stark kind of quality of Rhaenyra of, you know, she has the loophole, like, you're not supposed to play with swords and dragons, kid, but we're going to let you this time. And by the way, now you're heir. That's that's an interesting premise. That's the opposite of watching Danny struggle knowing that she is the heir, even though no one wants to say it. You know what I mean? Like, it's the exact opposite of, I am heir and watch me struggle as I try to claim it. It's the same in reverse. It's like listening to whatever Pink Floyd song backwards, right? Whatever that shit is. Listen to a song backwards. And I have the true meaning. There are hidden messages. Well, here's the hidden message. Westeros would burn before they let a female rule the Iron Throne, says Rainies or whatever she says. Interesting. Interesting. And we've discussed this, uh, you know, this is in our Dance of the Dragons episodes. I've seen people being like, I don't know how I feel about them making gender. And I'm like, how can you not think that the whole thing is about, like, yeah, it's about Damon and Rhaenyra as, like, one of the succession questions. I'm like, it was always about, it was always about gender. Like, you go back to Reyna not being allowed to ride her dragon on the procession, and that undercuts the Targaryen rule, like that undercuts their power later on when it comes to keeping Westeros in line because he, because Aenys was afraid to let, no, no, because, yeah, Aenys was afraid to let Reyna look more powerful than Aegon. And that, because he'll look weak, he says. Yeah, and that fucks them. They end up getting captured. That fucks them. And they're stuck there. They can't get out. He dies. Yeah. So it was during that procession, right? Because I couldn't. It's yeah. unclear on the wiki. Yeah. If I'm she had a dragon. Right yeah. I was like, I know you just read it. So I was like, she knows. Yeah. So like if Reyna had been allowed to bring her dragon, that wouldn't. Again, going back to that line, dreams didn't make them kings. Dragons did. And they wouldn't allow Reyna to look more powerful. And then again, Reyna makes it clear to Jaehaerys, I've stepped down and I have let you be the king and that's I think part of why Jaehaerys is so afraid to ever name a female heir because then does it delegitimize his rule beyond the other parts of where he clearly feels that there are women gender like women have certain roles in the household which is why he keeps marrying off his daughters to their whatever yeah Alisanne honey I think Daenerys should technically be the queen of everything Jaehaerys yeah yeah sure honey we'll talk about it later Sweating uh, bullets. Ah, sweating bullets. Fuck, she's caught on. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that, and it makes me so excited. We're going to see this fucking great council, right? Like, we're going to see Jaharis. We're going to see Septim Barth, it looks like, with his little seven pointed star. Look at him. It does oh, yeah. Really I am excited. It looks so. That scene, like that, that or not scene, I don't know, photo shoot with that chair, it looks so good. It's stupid how good it looks. Am I just thirsty or am I, what, what's the deal? Because it looks stupid good. It all looks really good, Eliana. Should we be, should we the viewers and listeners from Unleash the D, Eliana, uh, should we be excited? What's your take? Should we be excited? 
I don't know. Are I'm you afraid? excited? I I am excited, and I'm afraid to be excited. Like, what if again? What if I am the one who's being betrayed again? You know, this is the tre- this is our treason. This is our third treason. This is the one. That's Two get treasons. Us. You should know. Oh my god. Game of Thrones oh and House of the. I and don't know, but I'm going to choose to be excited with you. Oh and Snow, the third treason. It's snow, a third treason snow. for Danny, too, when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, that's true. Damn. Damn. Actually, though. Eliana, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I've had such a good time <laughs> chatting with you about House of the Dragon on the final Unleash the D, the seventh. Thank the seven for the final Unleash the D. Uh, the primer, the premier primer series about House of the Dragon on Girl Gone Canon. While we wait for our other hosts to come back, it's you, it's Eliana. We will be back next week, eight twelve for public with our friend Nate from Brotherhood Without Manners. You have to check them out. We'll be back to our prologues. We'll be talking about Pate and a Feast for Crows. And we'll be back the week after that. I'm going to give you a double reveal. This is really exciting. With Varamir, right? Our prologue <laughs> for Varamir and a Dance with Dragons, a Dabada. And with another member from Brotherhood Without Manners, Zach. So very excited to have my good friends Zach and Nate on. And after that, we'll have, after that, we'll have a new POV. <laughs> Who even knows what's going to happen? I don't know. Oh, I can't see. I don't have, I do not have dragon dreams. I cannot see the future. I don't know. Oh my god. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. That's it. That's your only host. That's it. Eliana, do you need them to follow you on the internet? Uh, yeah, um, you can all find me. Um, I I would recommend just finding me on uh, my podcast, Girls Gone Canon. Uh, you can find us at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N. Um, or on patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. Yeah, I, I think that's that's where people can usually find me, Chloe. Perfect, perfect. Thanks again, Eliana, and we can't wait to have you back to the podcast, except the podcast's over. This is this is it. The podcast is over, so we won't have you back. But uh, <coughs> thanks again. Thanks again, and we'll return for House of the Dragon, our Song of Ice and Fire POV series, and of course, for the Amber Spyglass to finish it out yes. with Haley Bowery from The Manimals. Yes. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.